Welcome to this week's podcast, Musings of a Methodist Pastor. My name is Denise Robinson, and I am pastor at Irvington United Methodist Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Today is April 28th, and this week I want to spend the next few minutes thinking about a guy by the name of Jonah. When I say the name of Jonah, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Well, probably a fish, a big fish, a whale, uh, perhaps prophet. A um, small book in the Old Testament found somewhere between, well, who knows exactly, a uh, hint between Obadiah and Micah. What do we know about Jonah? He's mentioned in 2 Kings 14.25 when he's identified as a prophet. And God has a plan for Jonah. Go to Nineveh. Now this was something almost unheard of in biblical times, sending a prophet to an outside nation. But even more shocking was Jonah's refusal to accept God's mission. What do we know about Nineveh? Nineveh was the capital of ancient Assyria. Ancient texts tell us that the city was 60 miles in circumference, meaning that at the time it would have taken about three days to go around it. In our scripture, we're told that at the time of Jonah, Nineveh had about 120,000 inhabitants. For its day, it was a big city, an important city. So why wouldn't Jonah want to go there? Well, it may have been because Jonah didn't want the Assyrians in Nineveh to escape God's judgment. The Assyrians were enemies of Israel and had been for generations. The Assyrians had conquered parts of Israel in the past and had killed people in cruel and inhumane ways. Here's how Nineveh is described. A city of bloodshed, utterly deceitful, full of booty, no end to the plunder. Horsemen charging, flashing sword and glittering spear. Piles of dead, heaps of corpses, dead bodies without end. They stumble over the bodies, enslaving nations and peoples, full of endless cruelty. They were brutal and godless and sinful, and Jonah knew what should happen to them. He knew what would be fair. God should condemn them. But here God is wanting to send Jonah on a mission to them, to save them. But it was also likely that Jonah knew he'd been given a difficult job to do. Uh, Jonah had every reason to expect that at the very best he'd be made fun of, treated like a fool. More likely he would be tortured and killed. People from Nineveh crossed over into Israel and killed just for the sport of it. How likely would they be to receive Jonah? I'm sure he was thinking this was a fool's mission a mission with only one end, and for him, that wasn't a good one. And for what? To try to save a people who, in Jonah's mind, didn't deserve saving in the first place. So, instead of going to Nineveh, Joshua took off for a place called Tarshish, some 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. The key here is that Tarshish was in the opposite direction of Nineveh. But you know what happened after that, right? Storm at sea, disaster strikes, Jonah's tossed overboard and swallowed by a whale. 
So finally, when we get to chapter 3 of the book of Jonah, where is Jonah? Where do we find him? He's in Nineveh proclaiming God's word. And more than that, Jonah is not only not killed, but he succeeds. Mission accomplished. His words cause change and lives are spared. So Joshua must be happy, right? Wrong. Listen to Jonah chapter 4 verse 1. But this was very displeasing to Jonah and he became angry. Jonah is about to throw a fit and he thinks he's entitled. He knows God is a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent from punishing. The problem is that's the God he wants for himself, not the God he necessarily wants for everyone else, especially those people in Nineveh. So what is Jonah's response? He throws a fit right there in the desert in front of God. And instead of getting angry, God calmly asked Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry? There's a question, isn't it? Is it right for you when things don't go your way to be angry? Jonah doesn't even answer. He gives God the silent treatment. He sits down on a rock above the city and waits to see what God will do. I don't know how much time goes by, but after a while... God makes a bush and causes it to grow and cover Jonah's head to give him shade. Jonah, we're told, was very happy about the bush. But does this change Jonah's mind? Does Jonah thank God, start talking to God, maybe even apologize? No, he just continues to sit and sulk, covered in his self-righteousness. So, a day later... God creates a worm which attacks the bush and causes it to die. Think about all the details here. See if you can picture Jonah in your mind. Can't you see Jonah just sitting there, his arms crossed, giving God the evil eye? And God looking down at Jonah, just shaking his head. And then when the sun comes up, God causes an east wind to blow the heat of the desert in on Jonah, trying to get Jonah's attention. And still, Jonah just sits there sweating and suffering and all self-righteous in his anger. Until finally, Jonah asks God that he just might die. Just two chapters ago, Jonah was praying for deliverance from the belly of the fish and now he asks to die. And God says to him, well, Jonah, are you ready to give me your answer? I ask you a question. Do you even have a right to be angry? That's a loaded question, isn't it? When things don't go our way, do we have a right to be angry with God? Some days I'm amazed how stubborn Jonah was. His response, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Other days, I wonder, what was it in Jonah that caused him to be that angry? And then I think, I've been that angry too. You know, it's easy to point the finger at Jonah, but haven't haven't you ever said that to God too? Haven't you ever said to God, I want what I want and I want it now? I don't care what your plans are. Of course I'm angry. I don't like the way you're running things. Or maybe you've compared yourself with others, wondering why things seem to come harder for you, and that just doesn't seem fair. Just like Jonah, you've sat down on God. 
Now notice what God says to Jonah. The Lord says, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in the night and perished in the night. In other words, God says to Jonah, Listen to yourself. You feel sorry for a plant. You didn't even plant. You didn't make it grow. You didn't water it. It came into being and it left. And here you are feeling sorry for yourself, feeling sorry about a plant and condemning me for pitying Nineveh, for feeling sorry to Nineveh. God says, should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left? How does Jonah's story end? We don't know. The book ends on that question from God. Why should I not pity Nineveh? Why? Why does the book end that way? I think that's because there's a message there for us. What would be our answer to that question? God's love extends to all people, the ones we feel deserve it and the ones we don't, the ones who love God and the ones who reject God. Our way of measuring others, our way of measuring worth is not God's way. And if we stop and think about our lives, we should be grateful for that. Think about the spiritual failure of Jonah who experienced mercy but gave none, who experienced love but returned none, who benefited from the patience of God but resented God for showing that same patience to others. Where do we fit in this picture? Around us right now are people who are hurting, people who are afraid, people who are angry. We are divided in our response to this pandemic. Many fear leaving their homes and many others fear staying in their homes. We're polarized. And instead of trying to understand one another and love one another, we join one camp or the other and we, the us, complain about they, the them. I encourage us to be witnesses to God's message of love, grace, and mercy. To be a witness to all, even to those with whom we disagree, without deciding for ourselves whether they are deserving. The alternative is to be like Jonah, sitting in the desert and wishing for death because God has taken away our bush.